You ready? Yes. Ready. Welcome back, Scary Dolls. Hey. Hello. We're back in the studio. Studio. Somebody come get her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) So quarantine has gotten us addicted to TikTok. (laughs) And coffee. And coffee. (laughs) And coffee. (laughs) And coffee. And And food. Y'all, I gained weight. All the weight I lost, I gained it back. Same. And you know what? Texas would be the state to open everything up first. No. <laughs> Somebody was all, damn Republicans. <laughs> damn Republicans. Well, damn. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's still people working from home, though. I am. Yeah, I'm not. I yeah, wish. I never have. <laughs> <laughs> I've never worked from home. I asked for it, and I was told, no. They they gave us like a survey right in the email and was like, would you say that your job can work from home for like ever? And I was I put yes, <laughs> put <laughs> no yes. pants required. <laughs> I no seriously pants, no chance. <laughs> seriously have not worn pants, guys, in like two months. She's wearing pants today though. Yeah, which is or funny. Am I because me and Gato dress down? We always <laughs> have to dress up for work, and I just dressed, dressed up. Because I haven't worn makeup, I haven't done my hair, I haven't worn pants, haven't worn a bra in Ooh, two months. That sounds like the life right God, there. That sounds amazing. I don't want to wear Not a bra. wearing a bra is the best thing in Let the world. Hang. <laughs> Let her hang. I want to be like out. you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you. Yeah, it's totally different doing the live shows and then being in the studio. Yeah. yeah I, I know get why. nervous. <laughs> because I could say mother, mother, and Tim will edit out, and you'll never know that I said it. Oh, now he's not going to edit what it What did out. I say? <laughs> oh, yeah, we weren't supposed to cuss on the live shows because I was cussing. <laughs> I don't I don't know. There wasn't even, like, a thing, right? We could just do whatever. I think everybody did whatever. <laughs> I did whatever. People were talking about wanting to milk us and milk each other. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. That was so crazy. Oh, I was like, uh. <laughs> What? We talked to people I mean, from the UK, from Australia, Africa. from Africa. Yeah, it was awesome. We connected with a lot of people. Yeah. It was great. Hopefully, they I actually really now. liked it. Thank it you for good. listening. Yay. Thank and you. You can now milk each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that was fun, though. It was a good time. It was a good experience. Yeah. Did, the, did it just get brighter in here? No. 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 Oh, my eyes are messing with me. <laughs> mm hmm. I, I will swear, say I swear the light was just blue. If y'all hear thunder blue? too, um, it's raining, it's raining today. Yeah, um, San Antonio has a tornado watch. <laughs> just so y'all know. <laughs> so, and we're here in a studio <laughs> recording for you guys. We're gonna be talking in like ah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna hear like a house falling in, the <laughs> <laughs> <My> wind. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why um, I thought that sounded like wind. We so when we had said in the live show that we were going to record on Sunday, literally like two days later, Ash is like, "So Sunday's Mother's Day? Oh crap! <laughs> we already started. We record on Tuesday. 
And then a tornado watch. (laughs) And then a tornado watch hit. I mean, what else can happen? Let's see. We had the Rona. We had the murder hornets. We had those weird. um, Oh, my God. So my coworker literally in her office, Glow, she has a list of things that like a list of events that happened each month. Really? So she did January. It was she considered it like World War Three because like yeah. our ships and stuff were being bombed. Like, you know, our our bases and stuff in other countries were like being attacked. And then February, what did she put for February? Rona. No, that was pretty March. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was March. I forgot oh, what yeah. she put for February. Um, I should have wrote it down. Yeah. Way to go. <gasps> Something happened in February. <laughs> Something happened in February. <laughs> she wrote happens. it down. And in March was the coronavirus hit, and then it's the Hornets, aliens. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Alien. I'm the like, aliens. I'm yeah. still waiting. <laughs> God was like, I'm still here, guys. I'm still here. Watch. They're going to take everyone but me. <laughs> I, I don't want you, girl. No, they're going to take everyone but me and you. <laughs> they're like, Mm-mm, she's weird. She be- they believe in us. <laughs> The aliens are probably like, uh uh-uh, I drove by Earth. That place is ghetto. (laughs) That place is ghetto. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what else 2020 can bring to us. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, it's good, though. I don't want no more bad stuff. By the time this episode airs, Sabrina will be one years old. She's going to be one. I can't believe she's going to be one. Or she's one. Technically. You popped her out. (laughs) You popped her out a year ago. She's at grandma's house today. (laughs) I love that little girl. My baby. I know. Yeah, she's cute. I can't believe it. Yeah, so um, obviously we're not doing a birthday party for her. We're doing a virtual party. Virtual. Yeah, I'm going to be late. (laughs) (laughs) One of my friends is like, "Um, is there going to be cake at this virtual party? I was like, yes. She goes, okay, do I have to dress up? I was like, no, you can wear your pajamas. She goes, do I have to wear pants? I was like, no, you don't have to wear pants. She's like, good. I'll be sitting down on my couch in my bra and underwear watching the live show. (laughs) There you go. Is there a clown? (laughs) (laughs) No, do you guys remember when we were trying to figure out the recording... um, Virtually, like the three of us, <laughs> I forgot I wasn't wearing pants. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. oh my was, god! Tim was like, "What?" I was like, "Close your eyes." <laughs> Ashley Stronis. <laughs> Tim's eyes just like slapped his face, and he turned around <laughs> into the wall. Because <laughs> he was, he has like this program on the computer, and we literally had like. The two, his two computer monitors, we had the laptop and we had the TV on. So Ashley was on all three screens. My ass. Just screen. My ass. <laughs> and I was on like, the jumbo screen. She stands up. I was like, Ash, you're not wearing under. She's not wearing under. What? And then boom. My bad. I forgot, Fun. y'all. Oh, I forgot. my God. Commando. <laughs> At least they weren't my granny panties. <laughs> She's like, they were my nice ones. <laughs> and then I think I FaceTimed Ash. And then what did you say? You're all put on a shirt. And I was like, Nick, I see your nipples. <laughs> yeah. We're just oh, over here yeah. making pornos. <laughs> Exclusive. Explicit. Explicit, explicit content. Explicit oh, content my on Scary Not Scary Podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, well, we're finally recording episode 21 after like two months. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and um, we've planned this for, uh, I don't know how long ago. What two did months. I say? Two months? <laughs> two months? Yeah. 
So I had my research. I did badass research. Everything was like all organized. And what do I do? I delete all of it by accident. <laughs> so what did I have to do? Procrastinate and throw everything together. So all of my notes are everywhere. So just bear with me. But today we're going to be talking about mysterious disappearances. Disappearances. Mysterious disappearances. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, mysterious disappearances. <laughs> Missing. Missing people? The missing, the vanished, the people that just disappeared from thin air. Mm-hmm. Like aliens. Aliens. But it's not an alien episode, or is it? It's not. Who knows? It could be. You never know. Who knows? Maybe. Okay, so my story is on Chris Kremers and Lizanne Frune. Have you heard of them? No. They're the two um, Dutch students who disappeared in April of 2014. Um, they were hiking in Pamina, Panama. Panama. Oh, and they did. disappeared. It I was did. like this Facebook thing. Yeah. Like their stories were everywhere when this happened all over Facebook. What? Yeah. yeah it's, I remember. Why yeah. do I never hear about these things? You because you stray away from walk. scary stuff. True. <laughs> and you don't wear pants. <laughs> and you don't wear pants. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Tim, uh, my notes are everywhere, so you might have to do a lot of editing. Okay, thanks, love you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lisanne Froome was 22. Um, she was described as an aspiring, optimistic, intelligent, and passionate volleyball player. Chris Kramers was 21. She was very creative. She was responsible. She was very open-minded to explore the world. Um, both grew up in Amsfort. Um, so they're both Dutch students. Um, Lizanne graduated with a degree in, in applied sciences from Denver University that previous September. And then, uh, what's her name? Chris Kremers. Um, she just completed her studies in cultural social education and specialized in art education at the University of Girl, these names are getting me. Uh, Utrecht? I don't know. I, I can't. I don't speak Dutch. <laughs> so sorry if I mess up. Um, only a few weeks prior to leaving for Panama, um, the both girls moved in to a dorm room together. Um, and they planned to take this trip in celebration of completing their degrees. So this was like a planned trip that they were going to do. Um, they went ahead and pretty much like organized their stay with like a, f- a family that was there. Like they do like a... I guess it's kind of like, they called it something weird over there, but it's kind of like a bed and breakfast. We're like, not bed and breakfast, but Airbnb. That's kind of like what it was. It was like an Airbnb. So they were staying with the family there that does like an Airbnb, but it was more um, like the the tour guides. So like they had like this program of tour guides and like this family was part of that program. So like they were like all certified and background checks, all that stuff. So um, they... They saved up money. They take this trip to Panama and unfortunately never returned. And where are they from? They are from... You said um, Dutch? Yeah, they're Dutch students. No, they're not from Panama. Oh. My bad, y'all. The Netherlands. The Netherlands. You happy, Ash? I'm just kidding. Yes, thank you. Um, so the reason why they were traveling to pa- Panama um, was to celebrate that, um, I forgot her name, 
Lizanne. So to celebrate that Lizanne um, graduated their de- her degree, um, they both saved up money for six months and planned to go to pa- Panama together on a special trip to learn Spanish. Um, they also wanted to um, be around the locals. They wanted to volunteer with the children. And it was supposed to be like a reward for um, both of them for graduating yeah so it was like this plan thing that their families were excited for them um but like i said unfortunately they weren't ever seen ever again so on april 1st 2014 chris and lisanne decided to go about the town they went and had brunch together they're just hanging out and then they decided to go do a hike um, at the jungle that they have out there in Panama. And that jungle is called, I wrote it down here so I wouldn't forget. For you, bro. It's called the, um, the Panista Trails. Ooh, Panista. Panista Trails in Panama. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. like super famous. Everybody goes there. Like when you look them up, like there's all these beautiful pictures. Like it's so pretty out there. Yeah, oh, even wow. I was like, oh my God, like, it's so pretty. So they went and they, they took a hike out there um, and literally like from one moment to the next, things hit the fan. So they I guess they left with the family's dog to go on the hike. Well, the family's dog came back, but came back without them. <laughs> so the family that they were staying with, you know, they're like, well, that's weird. Like the dog came back without them. So then a few hours went by and they're like, OK, now something's going on. So they called the they called the police. They made a police report and they didn't take it lightly. The police department, they waited four whole days before they did a search for the girls. Are you serious? Four, four whole days before they searched <sighs> for the girls. Can happen. So the, fuck? the moment that they called um, the police department and figured out, OK, like, obviously, they're not going to do anything. All the tour guides around the city band together with the family because their families like flew out there to Panama and they're like, we need to find our, our girls. You know what I mean? Um, so all the tour guides banded together and they're like, we're going to find them ourselves. Like we're going to we're going to do a search. We're going to get a search party together. So that it was all the tour guides that were part of that program, along with like other volunteers that were went out to that jungle and like to the trails and like we're looking for them. Yeah. And then four days later, the police were like, okay, we'll go ahead and search for them. Oh Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad. So they um, searched for them. They couldn't find anything. There was no like clues or anything of like where these girls were, what happened to them. And then another roadblock that um, the police had was that the girls didn't really tell them exactly where they were going. They knew that they were going to go to the trails, but the trails are so big. And the police were like, well, we don't even know where to start, like where to look for them. But all that time was wasted. Anything could have happened to them. So obviously they couldn't find anything on them. Uh, So... There is a few key points here. So after the girls went missing, the police took took the disappearance lightly, obviously. Um, during this span, tour guides and the city band together, which I already explained. Um, 
hours turned into days, days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and on June 9, 2014, a woman found a backpack on the riverbank of the Serpent River. The backpack was dry, which is weird because it was like on the river. Um, it was packed with two bras, two pairs of sunglasses, a small bottle of water, Lizanne's camera, two smartphones, two passports, and $83. When searching, when searching the camera, the girls had taken over a hundred photos on the camera. Well, the, the, I guess this was between the camera and the phone. Like it was because they were taking pictures on their phones yeah. too. But the camera had over a hundred photos. So only about 10 were taken during daytime. The remaining 90 plus were taken at night and the late hours between uh, 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. 87 of those remaining 90s, uh, I'm sorry, 87 of those remaining 90s show nothing but darkness. The final image caused a lot of mystery, especially because the last eight photos were taken 10, 10 days after the hike. So a lot of people are like, mm, this is kind of weird. So a lot of people were, so there's one photo particular, which I Printed a picture for you girls so y'all can look oh, at it with me. God. Visuals. Yeah. So there's one picture in particular in the photo where people were like speculating. So there's one picture and you see it looks like a trail, but a lot of people were like, okay, this this either looks like somebody looking down the trail or somebody looking up like a cliff or down a cliff. And it printed it out. It's right here. It's the bottom. You could probably barely see it though. It's like someone's looking down. Yeah, hill. so so a lot of people were saying it looks like somebody's looking down the trail, taking a picture, or somebody's it. like looking down a cliff, or like looking up the cliff, or whatever. Do you see it? It just looks like the cliff, like you taking a picture oh, of the cliff. Oh yeah. So I did find this one, and there's like a bunch of videos on like this case. So I did find this one guy on YouTube. He's um, I forgot to write down his surname. Whoopsie, <laughs> my bad. Um, but. He said that there's a huge mystery surrounding the timing of the photos. So April 1st, the girls started their journey around 10 a.m. The, the photo was taken, that this particular photo was taken April 8th. By this point in time, the girls, to everybody's knowledge, had packed only a small amount of water because obviously like they were planning only to be there for like a few hours and then go back home. Yeah. Right. So without water, how would either of them be alive? Because the human body can go anywhere between seven to 10 days without water, with 10 days being the less common end of the spectrum. And then the girls had been out in the jungle all this time, which everybody can suspect that they exhausted themselves trying to find their way back home. So a lot of people question, how did they survive that long, right? Mm -hmm. Unless um, they found their own source of water, um, that helped them survive longer or, you know, they have the willpower to want to live and like find their way back home. A lot of theories is that the girls were using the camera to light up their pathway and then saving their phone battery to check for a signal. So let's go to the phones. And this is where things kind of get weird. Crazy. Yeah. We. So the police were able to take phone records from the devices. And then they found that the girls made their first initial attempt to call 112, which is Panama's 911, only a few hours after starting their hike. So obviously from day one, something went wrong and they were trying to get help. Oh, that makes so sense. So through April 1st, 
From April 1st through April 6th, the girls would turn off their phones to save the battery and then turn them on occasionally to check the signal. So they were able to pull those records from the phone and like see like where they turn on the phone and it says like no signal, which I pulled the call log. It's right here. <laughs> you got um, receipts, girl. <laughs> I got I got my receipts. Mm. <laughs> um, and Dang. they would turn off their phone, turn it on, try to call, you know, Try to call 112 again, no signal, nothing. Like they obviously they couldn't make the call. So this is where things get weird. So after April 6th, there were multiple incorrect pin entries that the police found logged in the phone. And after that, after those multiple pin um in, you know, wrong pin entries, mm-hmm. the phone going forward, like nobody tried going into that phone ever again, which was, I believe this is Chris's phone. So all of this was on Chris's phone. It's weird how I can, like, log everything, right? Like, this many times you were able to do this. Yeah. I'm actually now very confident if I ever go lost, check Mm -hmm. my phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So police had found that the file names of the images were numbered in the camera. So you know how, like, it says image 501, image 502, like each image has like the numbers to put them in order. So the first two images, images 499, and then there's image 500, so on and so forth. That's how they numbered them. So they could not locate image 509 on the camera. So there is over 100 images that were taken on the camera, right? Out of the 100 images... Image 509 was deleted. (gasps) And this was the image that was between the final daytime image and then the first nighttime image. And they couldn't recover that photo. So they're like, out of everything that's happening, why would the girls want to go and delete that photo? Yeah. So this is where like all the conspiracy theorists come in. They're like, was there a third party involved? Why would anybody delete the images unless they're trying to hide something? Oh. Another theory is that they said, because there is a photo where Chris, she's standing like on a monkey, on a monkey bridge. Um, she She's standing there. She's taking a picture like on the riverbank. So a lot of theories is that um, Chris probably fell, either knocked herself out or she died or something happened. Um, Lizanne was left with her phone. So she was there trying to get into her phone, but didn't know the pin. And then realized there was no use of even trying because there's no signal. She doesn't know the pin. So then she turns off the phone and doesn't ever try it again. Or maybe she was trying to turn it on to get the flashlight and like use the flashlight. Yeah. But instead she was using the camera. So this is where things get really messed up. So a local woman found shorts upstream from where the backpack was found. Um, This is where there's a lot of inconsistencies on the police department's end. So these shorts were found upstream, but the official report that the police department wrote was that the fort, the, the shorts were found um, folded and nicely placed on top of a rock. Mm, they weren't suspicious. And then what they also found, some locals found was upstream, they found Chris's boot, which still had her foot in it. <gasps> oh! God. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. No. It's really sad. 
So it still had her foot in it. And then there was a fragment of Lizanne's pelvic bone. <gasps> they which, got eaten. Which appeared to be sun bleached, like from the sun. So the police, the police's theory or what they said happened was mm-hmm. that um, Chris fell off the monkey bridge into the river, hitting her head unconscious or died on impact, leaving Lizanne alone to fend for herself. So what Lizanne did is um, she tried calling 911 when it happened. She couldn't get signal. Her phone eventually died. So then she was left with Chris's phone. So she's trying to log into Chris's phone. Didn't know the password. Turned off the phone because she figured it was no use. So she was using the camera to try to find her way around the jungle and couldn't. Probably fell to her death or died, you know, due to natural causes. Case solved. No. Beto, where's the other girl's body? Exactly. Like. (laughs) Yeah. So only fragments of them had been found. Like they're. Bodies have not been found at all. Oh, my goodness. They got eaten. Nobody knows what happened to these girls. Well, I want to say they got eaten, but I if think they, they got, got eaten, eaten by a bear who's so taking the pictures. So a lot of people are thinking that something sinister must have happened because they're thinking that either somebody followed them to the jungle, like was watching them and like something happened. You know what I mean? Attack them or because... So in 2019, which is what I wrote down here, June 2019, Chris's parents actually went on a talk show and they were talking about everything that had happened. And her parents stated, and I quote, they said that they walked when everything happened, they themselves walked through the paths of the Penista trails. They were walking through the paths for six hours by themselves. Nobody was with them. They didn't tell anybody where they were going, nothing. And they said that the paths go forward and back. There's no side paths um, or anything. So you can't stray away unless you're purposely trying to stray away or something's obviously like chasing you or somebody drags you through the jungle. Oh, Lord. So Mm -hmm. they said they were walking through the paths for six hours, even stayed there past nighttime and were able to get out. So they said something happened to our daughters. Something sinister happened to them and we want answers and we're not getting them oh hell what if like they were on the trail and like they met somebody you know like there somebody the- that lives there and like, i can take you through a shortcut or something yeah like that like oh Maybe you want to see here. this really cool like rock that's over here or something and then yeah. i hate to say it's that. just sad right it's sad. It's so sad. So, like, till this day, like, they don't have any answers. Um, I did read that they're trying to sue the city of Panama. I mean, at least the police department, because they took so long on, like, even, a, like, doing the search. Yeah. Four days. Four whole damn days. Four days. So, I mean, okay, so there's some that say, there's some reports that say four days or some reports that say two days. But either way, even, yeah. even two days, that's still too long to wait to look for something, somebody. Yeah. Especially, like, if you're going to put in a police report and say, like, hey, like, they went out, you know, to the trails. We know that it was, you know, at these whatever trails by the jungle, like they didn't come back. It's been already a couple of hours. The dog came back without them. Like something's going on. Like why that's, wouldn't, yeah. that, that's a red flag. Not you know, automatically. That, they're not from there. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know they're I mean? not from there. It's not like I'm at the park for two hours and y'all aren't going to be scared, you know? Cause, but if I'm it, not, if I'm somewhere where I, where I don't know, 
That's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's at least 24 hours before you can like legit say like they're missing. Yeah. Like, but, but I, I, I feel like it would make the stakes even higher if they're not from there. They're tour. Even if they said like, they're hey, tourists. they're tourists, like, and they went to a jungle and they're gone now. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, you know what? Let's go look for it. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, hell no. Yeah. So this poor family or like both their families like have no closure of and that happened, happened the first day like they were there so no they were this was um this happened i believe a month later so they got there in march and then this happened april oh, 1st so, so they stayed they there were for a there, while they were there for like a month they were there oh. for a while yeah it, it didn't just happen right away they were there for like a good month oh, when this happened gosh. and then they decided to go and then there's like a lot of um there's like a lot of other like stuff too in the report saying saying that they like went to go have brunch with like two guys and but they don't know who these guys were and like people saw them with guys or whatever but they went there they were volunteering like it I mean even if they did it could have just been friends you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. that they went with yeah. but a lot of their pictures like they I mean all of their pictures are online that they took so a lot of people did forensic photos. Right. And this is where a lot of like the stuff comes to play to where the conspiracy theorists come up with. Um, so a lot of people enhance the photos and they say that you can see like where it's almost like somebody standing like in the bushes or like there's a figure of somebody standing like in the dark, like off to the side. So, I mean, I looked up some of the photos and it creeped me out because it does look like there's somebody standing there. What the hell was that? You just see that? Yeah. What? There was like a shadow but at the window. in the window. Oh. See, look, somebody forensically enhanced I'm, this photo. I can't see that. I'm it looks blind. Looks like somebody and wearing like, a hoodie. It looks like there's somebody look. like on the hoodie off to the side in one of them. Yeah. The hell? That's weird, right? <laughs> I don't mean to. Laugh. But they were by themselves. They weren't with anybody. Like all of their pictures, it's either of Chris or if it's of Lizanne. They're taking pictures together. Like you can tell they're taking like a selfie yeah. together. So if they were there with other people, like they would have been in the camera. In the pictures. pictures. Yeah. Like God was said, maybe they did, or what was it you that said it? Maybe they did run into somebody that was in the jungle and was like, hey, come here. You want to see something cool yeah. and like lured them away or whatever. But I would have thrown a rock. I think like, something sinister home. went on and like, yeah, especially you find a foot. Well, what and also too, hell? especially for Chris's parents to be like, and I watched um, the, I watched the um, interview and like, oh. even though it's in a different language, like I'm just reading the subtitles, like you can hear it in their voice. Like oh, this yeah. happened in 2014. This interview was in 2019 and you can still like see like the pain in their eyes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're not prepared to lose a kid not before only you. That, well, like, like having to come to terms that they're not going to come back home and then having to go back home, like leave that country without your child. You know what I mean? Like I can't even imagine. I wouldn't be able to live like Mm -mm. that's torture. Some people like, you know, they go missing and that's it. Like you go missing, but they actually found evidence that this, that something something happened. And I mean, at least they get that little bit of, so they won't have to be like holding on for hope for so long. Like they have that little bit of closure, like, 
And they said foot. that um, they got like the they got the reports back from forensics and like it was mailed to them or whatever. But they're like, even if they're like, that's still not enough. That doesn't give us answers. Like they have this theory of what possibly happened, but it's not facts. It's all theory. I want to know what happened to my child. Facts. You know yeah. what I mean? Bring in the facts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so, horrible, dude. It's super horrible. Oh, my God. It makes me want to cry. I know. So that's the story of Chris Kremers and Lizanne Fruth. So moral of the story, um, always share your location. Yes. And don't go into a jungle alone. Don't hike. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't hike. (laughs) Don't exercise, guys. (laughs) Also, too, it's like the parents went out there by themselves, didn't tell anybody. And for them to be fine. For them to be fine. Like, something happened. Like, somebody did something to these girls. For sure. I mean, because there was no, like, like mountain lions or, like, anything in there, Well, I mean, it's the jungle. I'm pretty sure there's, like, wild animals there. Because that was, like, my first initial. I was, like, they, something, they got eaten. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe something did eat them. Or, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like there's endless possibilities of what could have happened to them. So, um... Right before, I keep saying, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> um. so there, they did put this huge sign up right before you hit the trails that has, um, the two girls where it says that they're missing and like if they find anything to call authorities and let them know and stuff. Yeah, the parents, um, got that sign up out there. At the least. billboard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they'll find something. I yeah. hope they do. Like, well, because you know how, like, even, like, uh, mysteries from, like, 10, 20 years ago, other people will go in, like, not doing, like, purposely looking, but, you know, just, like, sweeping the area or just, like, mm-hmm. digging or whatever. They'll find, like, they'll find something. Yeah. Like, it, something's going to come up eventually. Yeah. For real. I pray that something comes yeah. up and they get some kind of closure because I can't even imagine. Yeah. That's so crazy, dude. When you said the foot thing, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Y'all good? Y'all good? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I I forgot Ash is going last. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all good? I have two, but I think one is... If this is too long, we're just going to leave it at one. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) So I chose Amy Bradley's story. Um... So my family, they go like on a lot of cruises. They go on cruises every year. So, I mean, I always get so stressed because I've always been into like crime cases and all that. And there are so many things that happen on cruise ships. Like I actually Googled the most common crimes on cruise ships just because I'm crazy like that. (laughs) And you guys, the first like the main thing is sexual assault. That's like the main um, crime. Crime. Oh, that makes me like, it makes me nervous because, you know, my family's always there. So um, this happened in Virginia, 1980. No, 1998. Sorry. The Bradley family, they uh, won a vacation on a cruise ship. Amy's parents, their names are Ron and Iva. And Brad is her little brother. So uh, all four of them were going on this cruise ship that Ron had won through work. So Amy was very excited for this trip. She was ready to go have fun and relax on the beach with her family. Um, they were going on a Royal Royal Caribbean cruise. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the boat's name was called the Rhapsody of the Seas. So this was a big, big boat. It was like 11 stories t- high, 915 feet long. It weighed like 75,000 tons, like huge, huge boat. It could easily fit over 2,000 guests, not including the crew members. So there's a lot of people. Um, March 21st, 1998, the boat took off with the Bradley family. Their first stop was Aruba. So they spent all day together shopping, eating, you know, having some family time. After that, they went back to the boat. They showered. They got all fancy for a dinner because they have like this dinner where you can wear a ball gown Mm -hmm. and you like go dine with You go dine with the captain, like fancy stuff like that. After that, they split up for a bit. So Ron and Iva went to go have some drinks with some of Ron's coworkers because they had won this trip because of his job or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, they noticed something weird. There was a waiter. He kept looking at Amy, which is their daughter. Um, he kept like creeping on her, like staring at her. So the waiter walks up to Amy and is like, hey, like, do you want to go to a club off the boat? here in Aruba, Amy was like, no, I'm not interested. So Amy and Brad, which is her little brother, they go change into like normal clothes and then they go explore the rest of the boat and then they do some gambling in the casino. So later that night, Ron and Iva met up with Amy and Brad. So all four of them, the little family, they decided to go to a disco. They have like, you know how they have the little bars or whatever, because they were having like a limbo contest. And um, they thought it would be fun to go as a family. So there was a live band playing. And while the limbo was going on, there was... um, Oh, the band that was playing was called the Blue Orchid. And um, the club's name was Club Calypso. So Brad, the little brother, he ended up winning the contest. After that, Ron and Iva decided to go back to their room. So the parents were like, okay, let's get out, like... It's for kids now. So they got tired or whatever. Um, They did a lot of things in one day. Amy started to like talk with one of the band members. I don't know how to say this word. The bassist. The bassist. Right. That's what it is. The bass player. Yeah. So his name was Yellow. That's his nickname. Um, There was a video of them dancing together, having a good time. Amy was kind of like drunk. She'd already been like spending some time with this man. Um, Around 2.45, Ron woke up and his kids are still not in bed. So then he went to go look for them. He went back to the club and he saw that they were still there. So Amy was still talking to this guy in the band. And um, the brother was there talking to girls or whatever, being cool. So an hour later, like at 3.45, Amy and Brad went back to their room. 15 minutes later. No, wait. An hour later, Brad went into the room and then Amy went in a while back later. So they were like talking and smoking in the little balcony because your room gets to have like some rooms have like a little balcony. Um, After a while, Brad was like, hey, I'm going to bed. And Amy was like, "Okay, I'll be there in a bit. Um, so Brad was like, okay, I love you. Good night. And that was the last time that he saw her. So at 530, Ron woke up and saw Amy on the balcony. So she had fallen asleep sitting there and decided to not wake her up because they were going to wake up early to go explore Caruso. I don't know how to say this. Caruso. It's a little Caruso. like place. Caruso. But it's spelled like different. Caruso. I don't know. It's a little 
town or whatever. Caruso. Caruso. <laughs> it's like Caru- Caruso. Calypso. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> at six in the morning, so only 30 minutes later, um, the dad woke up and Amy was gone. Her cigarettes and her lighter were gone. And so he assumed that um, she just took them with her um, just to like walk around or whatever. So he didn't wake up brad or his wife because he figured that since she didn't take her shoes she just went for like a quick walk or like a smoke break or whatever so ron the dad he walked around the whole boat looking for amy after about an hour he went back to their room and now he started like freaking out so he woke up iva and brad and was like scared he's like i can't find amy can y'all help me look for her they went up to the captain and they told him what was going on and um the boat had literally like just docked. So they had docked in Caruso. I'm going to just call it Caruso, like 30 minutes before she went missing. So they hadn't even let anybody off the boat yet. So anyone that was on the boat last night had to still be on board. You know what I mean? So she had to be on the boat at that time. So Ron and Iva started telling like, um, the captain and like all the people that work at the boat, they're like, please don't let people off the boat yet. Um, Send everyone back to their rooms for now. Like they have these emergency stations where you can go meet if something happens and like nobody gets off. And so they were like, please, like we need to find our daughter. And the captain was like, no, I don't want to make that announcement. Like, I don't want to scare the people. So he's like, I don't want to worry the passengers. We can conduct a search, but I have to let these people off the boat. So um, he finally agreed to make an announcement. But all it said was, will Amy Bradley please come to the front desk? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. That's an announcement. Yeah. So it was like something simple like that. Like, Amy, please come to the office. Um, So it was like really casual. Also, something sketchy that happened was that yellow from the band. He come he comes up to Brad, the little brother, and was like, hey, man, I'm sorry about your sister. But this was before they made the announcement. Like that said, Amy, come to the front. Like, so nobody knew that Amy was missing, but the parents and, but the little family and the captain. But then he came up and was just like, sorry about what happened to your sister. Sorry about what happened to your sister. But nobody else knew. You know what I mean? And uh, this was before the announcement. Yeah. So like, how would he know? So at this point, only security and the Bradleys knew what was going on. The doors open from the boat and people start getting off. Um, And the Bradleys are like freaking out. They're like, do we keep looking on the boat? Do we look on land? Like in the water? Like, what do we do now? So two girls that were like listening to the conversation came up to them and um, they told him that around 530, which was the time that she kind of went missing. They saw her going up to the disco with Yellow, which is that guy. So she met up with him again. But the boat security claimed that they had searched the entire boat. So security was like, no, we searched the whole boat and she's not in there. So she was nowhere to be found. And um, so their best shot was to search in Caruso because um, with either way, they people like in the boat, they don't care. They'll leave without you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like they don't care about the family to be honest because they're like we're just here to make our money like they don't care if you're off the boat on the boat when they leave so they weren't getting any help from the boat so they decided to just rent a small hotel room in caruso uh from the room they contacted family and also the the u.s embassy 
Um, the embassy was closed that day, so they had to wait hey. till the next day at six in the morning. Next day at six in the morning, the Caruso police started searching finally. So the next day they started searching for Amy. There was a helicopter and also like through land. There was cargo ships, fishing boats, but nobody found Amy. So back in the U.S., one of her other family members, um, I don't remember who it was, but he called the FBI. The FBI determined that the ship did not search the boat as thoroughly as they had said. In fact, they only searched common areas. So they only searched lounges, casinos. They didn't even do like a full search. So oh she could have been locked in somebody's room or closet but or anywhere, a restroom. I don't know. They only search public they places. They did a half-assed job. Yeah. So uh, this just makes me mad. Sorry. The Bradleys and the FBI flew out to St. Thomas to meet up the Rhapsody of the Seas at their next destination. So they boarded the ship and confronted the captain. The FBI did an actual search of the boat. So they looked through every, how do they say, like nook and cranny. They mm -hmm. searched everywhere. But at this point, it had already been days that she'd been missing. And now they don't even know what country she would be in. Because oh they were letting God. people in and out of the boat. Oh, so since Yellow was the last person to see her, they decided they would give him like a lie detector test. But he passed it. He passed the lie detector test. So um, one weird thing that also happened is all her pictures were missing. Like, you know, when you go to like um, Six Flags or SeaWorld and oh, Disney, they, yeah. they, take pictures. they take pictures of you mm -hmm. and you have like a number. Well, all of Amy's pictures were gone. Hers were the only pictures out of everyone on that boat that were gone. So that's mm. another thing that happened. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are the odds out of, like, 3,000 people? That's the only one are the only ones gone. So her parents start to feel like there was some sort of organized crime going on. Mm -hmm. um, this boat, like, wait, hold on. They started to feel like there was, like, a lot of organized crime going on. So um, March 28th, the family returned home. There was really nothing else they could do at this point. Eight months go by. The FBI has done nothing on the case. The Bradleys were, like, pissed off. Like, no one at this point was even trying to help them. They decided to search for outside help. Um, they also got some sort of lead. There was a Canadian man who was doing some sort of snorkeling. And then he saw a woman that looked like Amy. That was being escorted by two men. The woman started to like pick up her pace to kind of like go talk to him. But then they grabbed her and took her into a restaurant. So she heard the person. He said that he was speaking English and the girl heard him talking English and she started speeding up to talk to him. And then there was two guys behind her that are like just grabbed her by the shoulder and like walked her away. So um, years later, they were sent an anonymous email. And there was a website of a prostitute in the Caribbean. Um, and the prostitute looked just like Amy. And there was like forensics man. There was a forensics man who said that he was 100% sure that it was Amy. Also, they tried tracking the web address, but no luck. So then that case went cold. In 2005, there was a woman also that went on a cruise. And when they docked in Barbados, she went into a restroom. Um, on the island. So there was a woman in the restroom who told her, hey, like, my name's Amy. I need help. But there was four men waiting for her outside. So. Um, oh, my God. 
I knew it. Yeah. I knew it was sex trafficking. So they didn't see her anymore after that. Um, the family sued the company for being negligent. So they sued like the mm-hmm. boat company. Um, they're still looking for leads. They have reward money for anyone that knows anything. Um, there was a video released by the FBI recently in 2017, but it wasn't like new information. It was just going over the old information. So just like whatever. Um, but yeah. The case is still open and she's still missing. Dude, she that was all organized. That was all organized by everybody. The captain, it was all inside job. Yeah. Oh my god. Technically, the F they gave the FBI permission because since you're out in the sea, it's not There's US like, property. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they try to make themselves look better by being like, yeah, you can come search the boat. Yeah, because they already freaking cleaned up all the evidence. Especially when he's like, no, I I have to let people off the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can go and take her like wherever. They could have. That makes me so mad that they could have. So that means this poor girl is still out there being prostituted, being being whored out. Dude. That makes me so mad. I I know. I don't have no words. I thought that was like a lot of information for once. I was trying to like talk fast, but I don't know if y'all get it. Y'all get it right. She's like, she's yeah. missing from a boat. Uh, yeah. That's like. Oh my God. My worst. That's my worst freaking nightmare. Like that makes me not even want to go on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I chose this story because I know my family, they go on cruises every year and it freaks me out. Because it's true because you're going to a foreign country. Like they have these kind of connections out there. It's like the perfect setup. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they probably fell off the boat and died. And what? the boat is yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. What, what can the American police or the FBI do in foreign There's water. Nothing There's like nothing. Do. Like nothing. this is like the perfect way to like get do people. That. Oh my god, I'm not going on a Disney cruise. <laughs> <laughs> or if you are, you like, know, I'll it, better wear leashes or something. Yeah. Stay stuck together. Like, it's it's a huge boat. Like even though I knew where my room was at, I still got lost. This is like a totally like different kind of scary. Like yeah, this is a real kind of scary because like, it happens. Oh. Yeah. yeah, like I didn't want to. Like when I went on the cruise with my friend, I was like, "Do not you, leave my I side." I bet you the captain was a part of it too. He's probably like a big. He guy. had to be. Yeah, like just to, to say that, like, no, we're not like, going to do a search. I don't want to freak anybody out. Like and that seriously? yellow guy, that yellow guy was probably a recruiter. So yeah, he probably yeah he did pass the lie detector Everybody test because said, he didn't take her. You know what I mean? Or like he, he probably lured didn't her away. even take the test. He passed it with flying colors yeah. and how could they Unless not question him harder like if the brother was like this is what he told me before the announcement before was made. anyone like, even knew she was missing mm-mm. nope some bull fucking shit hell no uh-uh. pisses me off that makes me so mad. So she's still out there she's still like out they there. know that she's, she's older yeah but she's still out how there. old was she again when she went missing she was young she was just going to college she was like in her 20s she was like 20 so oh this God. was in 1998. I'm already almost going to be 30. So she's probably about 50, maybe. Oh, my Almost God. 50. Dude. That's so yeah. sad. Her entire, like, life. Life, pretty much. Yeah. And somebody, though, I don't know how, uh, with all this, like, um, technology we have, I don't understand how they couldn't trace back that address. What year was this again? I'm sorry. Like 98 or something. Oh, 98. Yeah. When she went missing. That's um, so sad. You guys, I have another story, but this this one is only, like, two sheets. But it's... I'm going to have to, like, literally say, like, warning. I don't know if y'all want to hear it. Warning? 
Yeah, like I have to let you guys know that there's a lot of like abuse in the story. And if you have kids, you probably don't want them to hear. What about people who have kids? <laughs> what? I'm scared. <laughs> no, like if you Am have kids and they're going to listen, just don't have them listen. Just skip ahead. Probably you're going to be Skip mad. 30 seconds five times. <laughs> five times. Okay, I'm going to read it just because it's already here in front of me. Ready, ready. August 23rd, 2002. Michelle Knight was walking home from her cousin's house. Uh, she was approached by a vehicle. So the man inside the vehicle, his name was Ariel Castro. Um, he was like, hey, you need a ride or whatever? Um, and she's like, yeah, sure. But it's because he had some daughters and she knew that he was a dad. Mm -hmm. So she felt comfortable. She's like, sure. She went in. Um, she's like, you know what? I'm going to make a quick stop at my house. Um, I have a puppy and I know you have a son and I want to give it to you so you can give the puppy to your son. Right. So Michelle was like, you know, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Um, so um, he's like, yeah, come on, get down and we'll get it for you. So she's like, OK, she gets off um, and then immediately he restrains her and imprisons her. And then um, after that, he raped her every day. So um, people think she even got pregnant about five or six times. But because she was so malnourished. She kept having miscarriages. A year later goes by um, after like Michelle went missing. Ariel decides, hey, I want another girl. You know, um, this girl was named Amanda Berry. So April 23rd, just about a year after um, this girl named Amanda, she's working at Burger King. She finishes her shift, starts walking home. Ariel pulls up and he's like, same thing. He knows she knows his daughter. Right. Um, he's like, hey, my daughter's back in town. Do you want to see her? She's like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I want to see your daughter. I haven't seen her where we were friends in school, but she moved away. Um, so, yeah, sure. I'll go over to your house or whatever. So um, he takes her to his house. She goes inside the house and then he tells her, um, oh, she's in the shower. The door's closed. That's why she's like, OK. So then he pushes her into a closet he rapes her and then changes her to a, he chains her to a radiator chains her like big old chains like a fucking dog Hold on, this, sorry ashley have you not, you haven't heard of this case before oh you no <laughs> yeah but yeah. my first thought is like why the hell are these people so trustworthy <laughs> me too girl Fuck no so this chain is only like five foot long like five feet long so her whole life after that was a five foot radius. You know what I mean? So imagine only like having five feet to do anything. That just pissed me off. Nobody would hear their screams because he had the music super loud every day. 2004, just a year after, Ariel decides, hey, you know, I need another girl. Hi, Dios. So her name was Gina de Jesus. She was at a payphone. She was talking to her mom. Um, she starts walking home. He pulls up and he just takes her this time. This time it's not like a, hey. oh, hey, I know your daughter, you know. For years, these three girls lived in this house like prisoners. It's 2005. They're watching TV because, I mean, at least he had a TV in there for them, you know. <laughs> um, 
they were watching some TV and their own missing persons cases come on because they're all from the same like little area. area. So they made a missing person case for like America's Most Wanted. They made it um, and they were watching their own like missing person case. How fucking weird is that? At this point, Michelle's already been in there like three years. So then like Amanda, the one that got abducted second, she really liked to watch TV. So there was a show like a talk show that she would watch all the time. And on the talk show, there was always a guest psychic. Amanda was always like, oh my God, I wish my mom could just go to this show so the psychic can tell her like that I'm alive. And she, that was her biggest like wish. That's what she wanted. One day she's watching TV and her mom is on the show, right? And then, um, her mom's on the show. She's so excited. She's like, oh my God, um, she's going to tell her like, that I'm fine. So then the mom asked the psychic, like, you know, do you think I'll ever see my daughter again? And the psychic is like, yeah, you will, but on the other side, because your daughter's dead. And after that, Amanda was like depressed. She's like, now, like, now she knows that she thinks I'm dead for sure. Like, she's going to stop looking for me. So then um, that made Amanda like really depressed. And then her mom ended up passing away of pancreatitis. So then when Amanda turned 20 years old, she ended up getting pregnant. So she got kind of excited. She was like, you know, this is a gift from my mom. Obviously, when the time came, um, he didn't take Amanda to the hospital or anything. So Amanda gave birth in the bathtub. And one of the other girls helped them, like, Ariel, um, whatever, with the birth. She had a healthy baby, though. They named her Jocelyn. Um, and there was like no clothes for the baby. He gave her like old socks, his old socks and was like, here, make some clothes for the baby. So for the first couple of days, the baby wore socks. So as Jocelyn got older, she wanted to go outside, wanted to explore, you know, and she's like, hey, dad, why is mom in chains? Like she started to get older and realize like that something was wrong, you know? Yeah. So, um. Like, hey, why is everyone locked up? Why is the mom in chains? So when he couldn't, like, explain to her why, he started to, like, unchain her. She was still, like, in the room, but she wasn't in chains like the other girls were. So May 6, 2013, Jocelyn asked Amanda. So she's like, Mom, where's Dad? And it hit Amanda, like, I'm not in chains. I'm in a room. I can literally, and he's not here. Like, I can literally... Go. Just go. So it was like, now, it's now or never. So um, Amanda ran to the front door, but the front door was locked from the inside and the outside. So she started banging on the door, but luckily there was a neighbor. So the neighbor was walking by. Um, Amanda was like, please, like, let me out. I've been here for a really, really long time. Um, but the way that the door was set up, it could only be open like just enough for the hand to come out so they can grab the mail. Um, so the man ended up kicking the door open and helping her out. Um, he called the cops and then she got on the phone and she was telling the police everything. And she's like, you know, there's more girls in there and please hurry. And then when I heard the 911 call, like I started crying because she was crying. Like you could tell she was like relieved. She was like, oh, my God, like I'm finally free. So I when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God. They're going to get her finally. So these girls were found after 10 years of being missing. Um, so July 12th, the jury charged Ariel with 977 counts. 
So 500 counts of kidnapping, 446 counts of rape, three counts of child endangerment, two counts of aggravated murder, one count of possessing criminal tools. And then so he like agreed to a plea deal or whatever, but they still gave him life in prison. So they're like, okay, well, he's going to serve a lot of time. But September, so July, August, September, two months after, he hung himself in his cell and he died. Bitch. So. Seriously. He didn't even suffer the way he was supposed to, but whatever. But uh, anyway, Michelle, Amanda, and Gina, they're doing good and they wrote books and they're trying their best to live normal lives. But they were missing for 10 years. 10 years 10 years and a baby later they made a lifetime show about it i mean a lifetime movie about it they did but they said Mm -hmm. that michelle knight nobody was looking for her nobody they thought that she ran away so what with her like that with her she was actually on her way to go to court to try to get custody of her son back and that's when ariel approached her (gasps) Mm-hmm. So they just so thought the like, court oh. was like, oh, she's an unfit mother. She didn't show up. And then when she got out, she tried getting her son back from the adoptive family, but they, they wouldn't. wouldn't. <gasps> it was a close adoption. Mm-hmm. Even after all of that, that she went, through. they have a lifetime movie about it. I forgot what it's called, but if you look it up, it'll pop up on Google. Um, yeah. It's really sad because it's oh it's God. about what happened to the girls, but mainly it's almost it's like it's Michelle Knight's story, like what yeah. she went through and like even after what she went through after. Oh my God, it's dude. sad. It's so sad. It's hard to watch, but it's really good. Oh my gosh! I can't right when you said her fucker. name, I was like, I know this story very well because I remember when they like when they were posting like all the missing people like persons reports like i remember seeing all the shows all the interviews and then when they found mm-hmm. them i was like holy crap who would have thought after 10 yeah, years after 10 years but um, imagine like but you like, see this psychic have you seen the documentaries no oh my god so he had his kids over that he had them chained upstairs. He would always have music on. He would have his band members over. They would play music. He would have extra music on. Um, I think Michelle would like bang on like the headboard. And they're like, what's that? Oh, we got a new dog. We locked him upstairs. Mm. Like, like he had shady. family there. His kids there. Like barbecues. Girl, like what everybody was in and fuck? out of that house. But nobody went, ever went upstairs. And people were really um, surprised. Like, in, I mm-hmm. saw some of the videos and they're like, Ariel did that? He's such a nice person. Like, the guy that yeah. found her, the found the girls, he was like, what? Like, I used to barbecue with the dude and eat ribs. And he's over here having girls locked up in his basement. Like, everybody never know. that mm-hmm. described Ariel said he was the nicest, the sweetest. Yeah, they had nothing but nice things a, to say about him. A musician. Him. He was awesome. Like, everyone had the best things to say about him yeah and like they interviewed like his friends the ones that had a band with him and like one of them was like i feel like a shitty person like i feel like a horrible human being like i've been in and out of his house so many times like i never saw any signs he was good at hiding his evil mm-hmm. yeah dude oh my god but at least there's something positive that came out yeah they were found they were found that's good they i mean found. it took a long time and a lot of yeah. chibas abuse but I'm sure they gave a lot of families hope too. Oh, yeah. and and on the at the courthouse, they were like, I think they asked him like why he did it, and he basically said that it was an addiction, just like how people are addicted to drinking. He was addicted to like sex, <laughs> and like 
abusing them. I'm like, really? That is not even a good. Use your hands, fucker. (sighs) Sorry. Use a flashlight. He needs Jesus. Well, he's dead as hell. (laughs) Yeah. But those are my two stories. My aunt. He took the freaking easy way out. He -mm. killed himself after two months in jail. Because probably someone was gonna. He dropped the soap. That's why. He was gonna get. He dropped the the soap. Stupid. Oh my god made me mad okay those are mine (laughs) okay well um mine is on the malaysia airline flight 370 disappearance yes i had actually like heard about this but not completely so i didn't know the full story so looking it up i was like ooh. okay so apparently this happened on march 8th 2014 and it was a flight that was going from ku Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. So, you know, it's like Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia area. Um, And the plane was a Boeing 777 and it held about 227 passengers and there was 12 crew members on board. Okay. Um, So the flight took off at around 1241 a.m. local time. So at, at their their time and it wasn't like you know high in the air it was like i guess what they call cruising altitude so it was only like ten thousand or thirty five thousand feet in the air so it wasn't like too too high um the uh the plane actually made communications um i guess with the the head you know Tower, yeah, like the lighthouse. Communi- yeah, the, the lighthouse. <laughs> that's boats. <laughs> the communication tower. Um, but the last communication was a voice communication with one of the crew members, and it occurred at between one nineteen and one twenty one in the morning. That was the last like conversation they had with the plane, and it wasn't like it was in distress. It wasn't like you know we're going down or like anything like that. It was just a normal like radio frequency. So um, it switched off just as the plane was about to enter the Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese airspace over South China. So at 1.30 a.m., the Malaysian military and civilian radar. Um, began tracking the plane as it turned around and it flew southwest over the Malaysia, the Malaya Peninsula. So the plane went over the peninsula around 2.22 a.m. So even though that was the last communication, they were still able to track the plane's, like, you know, course. And so um, the very last signal and the last time that they detected the plane was at 8.11 a.m. in the morning. So what was happening was the plane was kind of like it had like a you know, a path that it was going on and it kind of like turned around and it started kind of like, you know, not going on the course. So after that, it didn't make its destination at all. So about a couple hours after the plane didn't make its um, destination, they started looking for it. So um, they found that the transponder, I don't know what that is, but the transponder was switched off Um And on March 15th, about a week after the plane had disappeared, the analysis of the signal couldn't locate the plane precisely, but it did determine where the plane might have 
been. So you know how kind of like with Amelia Earhart, how they were like, okay, they kind of like coordinated between like the voice communications and the tracking of the plane. They couldn't figure out specifically like where this plane landed, Mm -hmm. but they could kind of like get like a generic area like Mm -hmm. of it. So um, they found that and that's where they put like the search to go. So basically the search was huge. So they searched from Java, which is southward into the Indian Ocean, which is like southwest of Australia. And then it stretched northward across from Asia to Vietnam and Turkmenistan. So it was a huge like area and it included land and water and like ocean lakes like it was just a huge big old piece of of um it was like a blob yeah like they're kind of like the way like in the jungle they were like where the hell do we start like yeah they didn't know where to start i'm sorry to cut you off i Mm -hmm. googled what a transponder is what is it it is an electronic device that produces a response when it receives radio frequency interrogation aircrafts have transponders to assist identifying them on air traffic control. So mm. it's the button, the kind of GPS button. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, so that thing was switched off. That's why they couldn't find mm-hmm. it. Oh, snap. Hmm. This is getting good. I uh, know. <laughs> so um, on March 24th, the Malaysian Prime Minister, Najab Razak announced that based on the analysis of the final signals in, in Marsat and the UK Air Accidents Investigation Branch, AAIB, had concluded that the flight had crashed in a remote part of the Indian Ocean, which is about 1,500 miles southwest of Australia. Thus, it was extremely unlikely that anyone on board had survived. So they basically said that it crashed down and there were no survivors at all. So um, they did make a search, right? They were still searching the remote crash site and they began searching on april 6 while an australian ship detected several acoustic pings possibly from the boeing 777 flight recorder which is like a black box that's in the plane Mm -hmm. so when they were searching they got little pings they didn't know where it was coming from they had an idea they thought it could be the plane but they had no idea so um Where they heard the pings, it was about 1,200 miles northwest, which is Western Australia. So it wasn't where they said the plane had initially, like, went down, right? So they did further analysis, and they found partial signals from the plane at 819. So they said the last signal came in at um, 811 a.m., but they got partial signals at 819 a.m. And it was consistent with the location um, of the acoustic pings that they found. So they were kind of like starting to connect the dots and like little signals were coming in every now and then. So the flight recorder was likely, they said like at the end of its battery life. So they were saying it could have been switched off. It could have just died because they like no one charged it. And so, um, they did, they conducted robotic submarine searches to see if they could find anything like on the ocean floor. But however, the pings had been spread over a wide area. The submarine that they put didn't find any debris. Um, They did test and found that a faulty cable in the acoustic equipment could have produced the pings. So they couldn't even use that as like concrete evidence for something because they were like it could be faulty. Mm -hmm. Still, 
There was a lot of theories that range from mechanical failure to maybe um, something happened like a hijacking or something on the plane. Um, no individual groups like, you know, any of the, what are they called? The, um, terrorist groups and stuff. None of them like claimed responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed unlikely that hijackers would have fo- flown the plane into the southern Indian Ocean. So the signals had likely been switched off from the inside of the aircraft, which suggested that it could have been maybe like a pilot suicide. That's like the main thing oh. that they were thinking, um, either by the pilot or someone like on the crew, uh, someone in within the crew. But they were never really able to find any like good evidence for that. So I tried searching for like... Um, an update and trying to find like the pilot. So the pilot, um, his name was, I'm going to butcher this, Zahari Ahmad Saw. And he was 53 years old and he was actually a senior captain and he had been like flying for so long. So he was the, um, the pilot on this, on this plane. So, um, there was in a company with him was, um, Farik Hamid, he was considered the first officer and he was on the plane like as well. And he was only 27 years old. And this flight was a training flight for him. So he was learning from Zahari Ahmad Saha. So some people even say that maybe like Zahari, like let him fly the plane because it was a training. It went down. Yeah. And maybe he didn't know really what he was doing. And maybe it went out of like control and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so many like like things of this. So um, it goes on to talk more and more like about the pilot, but they were saying that the main thing was in the cabin, there was 10 flight attendants. All of them were Malaysian. They had 227 passengers to care for, including five children. Most of the passengers were Chinese and the other 38 were Malaysian. So most of the people on here were from Malaysia. And so um, in descending order, the other people that were on the plane came from Indonesia, Australia, France, some of them from the United States, Iran, Ukraine, Canada, New Zealand. Like there's a lot of people mm-hmm. from all over on this flight. So um, Zahar- they said that Zahari's, which is the, the pilot, his transmissions were a bit unusual and they weren't like anything that he has done like in the past. So at 1.01 a.m., he radioed and that they had leveled off at 35,000 feet, which is a super flus report in radio, sur- in radar surveilled airspace, where that norm is to report leaving an altitude, not arriving at one. So at 101, they were saying that usually planes at that time, for the path that he was on, for that size of the plane, they should be taking off from that flight. Like they shouldn't be leveling or coming to mm-hmm. 35,000 feet. They should be like leaving Maybe. from 35,000 yeah. feet. Um, and so at 108, the flight crossed the Malaysian coastline and set out across the South China Sea in the direction of Vietnam. Zahari again reported that the plane levels were still at 35,000 feet. So it didn't change. He was still like staying there. 11 minutes later, as the airplane closed in on a waypoint near the start of the Vietnamese air traffic jurisdiction, 
the controller at the Kuala Lumpur Center radioed, and I'm going to tell you like what it what it says. It says Malaysian three seven zero contact Ho Chai Min one two zero decimal nine. Good night, Zahari answered. Good night, Malaysian three seven zero. He did not read back the frequency as he should have, but otherwise the transmission sounded normal. So he's supposed to kind of like say back his position and he's supposed to say back like the transmission that the guy had had said to him and he didn't do that. And they were saying that that's kind of like a little weird, but he didn't sound like in distress. He didn't sound like weird or anything like that. But that was apparently the last that they heard from the 370 plane. And the pilot never checked in again with the Ho Chi Minh guy. And he didn't answer any of the other attempts that they tried to contact him. He didn't answer any of them. Um, Theo, this is where it gets a little weird. So the time was 1.21 a.m., 30 minutes after they took off. The controller in the Kuala Lumpur was dealing with other traffic elsewhere. And on his screen, he simply didn't um, notice um, that the entire plane just disappeared off of the secondary radar. So he was like too busy over here. And because you know how like on the radars, like they come up as like little bleeps, like on there, the plane had completely disappeared from so it wasn't even like a little dot like on the radar um yeah but that was five or five or so seconds after it crossed into the vietnamese airspace so after they he they crossed that it disappeared gone they didn't see it anymore so i got the chills yeah So um, he finally, the guy that was doing the controller, when he finally did, he assumed that the airplane was just like um, in the hands of someone else, but somewhere like beyond his like radar. Maybe he was like, oh, okay, maybe he went like over here and someone else like picked him, picked him mm-hmm. up. So in the Vietnamese controllers, um, they saw the plane cross into the airspace and then disappear from the radar. So they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know if it was like a glitch, like maybe like it just wasn't like picking That's up. Weird. Yeah. So it would come up and then go and then come up and then go. And so, um, they apparently misunderstood a formal agreement, um, which Ho Chai Minh was supposed to inform Kuala Lumpur immediately if the airplane had been handed off so they were supposed to like okay if it's handed off to the vietnamese airspace he's supposed to say and tell them like hey here they are they entered your airspace um you can take over like from here and he didn't didn't happen yeah that didn't happen um so they just like kind of assumed like maybe he was late like doing it and they tried repeatedly to contact the aircraft but nothing like they couldn't get the pilot. They couldn't get a crew member. They couldn't get a signal. Nothing. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so um, by the time they uh, they picked up the phone to inform Ku- Kuala Lumpur that um, something was wrong, it was already 18 minutes after the plane had disappeared off the radar screen. So they took their time kind of like telling them like, hey, something's wrong. Like the plane's not here. You would assume like, mm-hmm. oh crap, the plane's gone. Let me like call them and see like what happened. But no, it was like 18 minutes after. So there was confusion. Um, everyone was like blaming like other people. 
Um, so they should have been notified within the hour of the dif- disappearance. But by 2.30 a.m., the plane was still not found. And it had been four hours um, since the plane disappeared. And at this time, the emergency response was had finally begun at 6.32 a.m. So at 6.32, like four or five hours after this had all went down, they started looking for the plane and started like, oh, shit, like something's going on. Um, Theo, at the moment, the airplane should have been landing in Beijing. The the search for it was initially concentrated in the South China Sea between Malaysia and Vietnam. Um, They had like 34 ships, 28 aircrafts from seven different countries looking from this for this um, airplane, but they couldn't find anything within a matter of days. Um, They pulled all of the radar records um, that they could salvage from the control computers and um, a partially corroborated and partially corroborated by secret Malaysian Air Force data. So they even got like secret data from like, you know, from the secret government government. So what they found out was that the plane disappeared from the second radar It turned sharply to the southwest, flew back across the Malay Peninsula, and banked around the island of Penang. From there, it flew northwest up to the Strait of Malacca and out across the Andaman Sea, where it faded beyond radar range into obscurity. So, yeah, so it like did like. It went, then came back, and then flew in a whole different, like, direction. direction. Yeah. Um, I got the chills. <laughs> Why is this starting to me chills? I'm just thinking of aliens. <laughs> the part of the flight, um, that part of the flight took more than an hour to accomplish and suggested that it was not a standard case of a hijacking, nor was it like an accident or pilot suicide scenario that anyone had encountered before. So... It didn't align with any, um, like, they're like, well, it doesn't fit the hijacking stuff. It doesn't yeah. fit a suicide. Like, it doesn't fit a whole bunch, like, of things. So, um, there was an interview done because I, I looked up, like, updates, like, on it. So, oh, sorry. Basically, the plane was never found. They never found any scraps. They didn't find any evidence. They searched, like, the sea. They searched land. They just knew that, like, this plane did not go according to its path and it was like weird so one of the main two main ones is that um the 27 year old was training with the senior pilot so they just assumed maybe like he let him take over things didn't go right they were maybe trying to like fly back and get back on the path and maybe something happened like in between there and the plane crashed and landed somewhere like in the ocean and it's like way down at the bottom um The second one is former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Um, He was the one who was in office when this flight um, vanished. So he did an interview with Sky News in Australia. He believed that veteran pilot Zahari Ahmad Saha deliberately downed the plane. Or it was a jet, sorry. Well, it's a plane. So he says, um, there's a quote. My very clear understanding from the very top levels of the Malaysian government 
is that from very, very early on, they thought it was a murder-suicide by the pilot. Abbott, who was an Australia's prime minister from 2013 to 15, made comments in the first part of a Sky News documentary that he said, I'm not going to say who said what to whom, but let me reiterate. I want to be absolutely crystal clear. It it was understood at the highest levels that this was almost certainly murder-suicide by the pilot. Mass, mur- mass murder-suicide by the pilot. So for some reason, from high levels, he said that this was 100% a mass murder-suicide. So they, they are saying that the pilot deliberately down, down the plane. But there's no evidence to show it. Only that the like it did like that weird turn and did like go off the path it's almost like they're fighting maybe you know what i mean like yeah for them to turn around go back then go you know what i mean yeah so when i was reading it and looking at everything i thought that exact same thing because i'm like maybe like he was going to down it and the 27 year old trainee was probably like trying to fight him and like no and then that's why they made that sharp turn to come back Maybe that's where the 27-year-old took over the plane and tried to fly everybody back. But then... I mean, it could be the opposite way around, too. Maybe the 27-year-old took over and he was going to down it and the senior captain was fighting him. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it could go either way. Yeah. So um, in July of 2019, there was an issue of, um, I guess it's a um, a magazine, The Atlantic, Writer and aviation specialist William, I'm going to butcher this, Languishi, Languishi, (laughs) um, deviled into what happened to the missing aircraft. He also looked into Saha, who had indications of trouble. So this is this flight specialist saying that he did have indications of trouble. The night the aircraft went missing... The control was seized in the cockpit during a 20-minute period between 1.01 a.m. and 1.21 a.m. And radar records show that autopilot was probably switched off, according to this specialist. So he says that there was something happening in that 20 minutes between 1.01 a.m. and 1.21 because um, it shows that the autopilot was probably switched off. So usually like around like 1.01 or like 1 to 2 in the morning, um, the captains or the pilots will put autopilot on to stay on their path, but maybe that's why they can like get rest or something mm-hmm. like that. But the autopilot was switched off at that time and it's not supposed to be according to this guy. Um, and when the report by a 19 member international team was released in 2019, the chief investigator Kuk Su Chan said during a media briefing, there was no evidence of abnormal behavior or stress among the two pilots. The Sahari Zaha was the main captain and the co-pilot was that Farik Hamid that could lead them to a hijack. So one specialist is saying, yes, there was trouble. And one specialist is like, no, it's not. But the one saying no are the investigators um, from the Vietnamese side that are saying no. Um, there's like too much back and forth going on. Yeah. <laughs> but the report, however, did say the plane's course was changed manually, but did not name a suspect and raised the possibility of an intervention by a third party. So they're saying maybe someone on the like in the passengers could have like interjected 
So that's why they're saying maybe it was a hijacking. Maybe it was a suicide. Something was going on between those 20 minutes like in there. But everyone else is like, no, he sounded normal. It was fine. So um, Languishi, the specialist, noted that while the co-pilot had nothing but a bright future ahead and no red flags in his past, Zahari's life raised multiple concerns. After his wife moved out, the captain, who was reported to be lonely and sad, also spent a lot of time pacing empty rooms and obsessed over two young internet models. The pilot's family, however, um, denied that he was suicidal. So they're looking like way deep into the captain or the pilot. So they're saying like that he kind of went a little weird after his wife like left him. Oh, no. Um, But they did like a forensic examination um, of the pilot, like a a simulator uh, that was done by the FBI. And it revealed he experimented with a flight profile that roughly matched what they believe happened to the plane. And it ended in fuel exhaustion over the Indian Ocean. Um, And that was in a magazine in 2006. So they did like a simulation doing the same thing. And they said it possibly could have been fuel exhaustion. So they could have lost fuel. They could have been low on fuel, like around this thing. So no one knows what happened. But then you would find something in the ocean. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, I feel like if it crashed or something, like there would have been some kind of debris somewhere. Something. Somebody must have saw something. Unless it was literally like in the middle of the ocean, like. But for it to disappear and then to fly it through the Vietnamese zone to disappear like a glitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a glitch, glitch in the matrix. matrix. Yeah. Glitch in a matrix. So. It just went into a, what do you call those? Another the dimension. Holes. Oh, Black like the hole. Bermuda Triangle or <laughs> yeah. something? Mm-hmm. So in 2018, September of 2018, there was actually... um wreckage or debris found of the plane and it was less than an hour into its flight from Kuala Lumpur um to Beijing when so let me show you guys here's the flight that was supposed to happen and that's where the wreckage was found some of the debris was found over here so it's totally way out of yeah totally off course course of where it was supposed to go so they don't know exactly what happened, um, but it but it was believed that investigators believed it veered off course and went missing somewhere in the South Indian Ocean, which is where the debris was found. So they don't know what happened. You think there was some sort of weird magical hurricane tornado that took them that far? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's crazy. I have no I mean, idea. I think I think the hurricane would have came on like the weather radar. You know what I mean that yeah. night, if there if there was. So there was when the debris that they found it was washed ashore of the African beaches and Indian Ocean islands, um, and they're indicating that that's where it it crashed. Um, and after they found that, they did multi government searches. There was by Australia, Malaysia, and China but they failed to pinpoint a location. So that little debris they found was on the beaches. That was it. There was nothing, nothing else that That's they could weird. find. Yeah. Damn. Yep. That whole story gave me shells. Mm-hmm. And the, the debris Always that has. they found, it was a, um, 
I think it was part of the plane. I don't know if it was like the the wing or, but it was part of the plane. Dang. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. That looks like the wing. Yeah. So they, that's literally all they found was just those two little pieces and that was it. And they've tried to get them to do like new searches later on, but they haven't done anything. They just were like, it went down. Don't know what to tell you. There's no evidence. There's no nothing. Like they can't find anything. So it was about 230 something people, crew and passengers that went missing on the plane. Yeah. Yep. I have no words. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, Aliens. Aliens. (laughs) Rest in peace. I don't know. And then um, the next one is super short. I had a like a theme for planes, I guess. Because even this JJ one, the jet plane. <laughs> this one even um, involves a plane. So it's the disappearance of DB Cooper. Do y'all know who that is? No. No. Okay. So he's apparently um, this guy um, who hijacked a Boeing seven two seven aircraft. They're both Boeings. <laughs> oh, moral of the story: <laughs> Don't go on a Boeing. Um, so this aircraft was flying between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington when it was hijacked by this D.B. Cooper guy. So what he did was um, people described him as um, he was like dressed in a suit for some reason. Um, They said that he was nicely dressed and um, he basically parachuted out of the aircraft. (laughs) So, yeah. So he basically like um, took these people on the plane hostage, demanded um, money but I think the money that he demanded was like $200,000, but they had to be all in $20 bills. But nowadays it would be worth like $1.2 million. Uh, yeah, because the- this, yeah, this happened back in 1971. Um, So he took this plane hostage. He demanded money when they, they like docked at the, it like made the. Where did they go? Yeah, it made the trip to Seattle, Washington. But um, he let everybody off the plane except for like two or three people, like the pilot and all that. And then took the plane back in the air. And while he was in the air, he parachuted out with the money. But (laughs) there's a lot of theories on it saying that um, the parachute that he took was like it didn't function properly. So they're saying either he like died (laughs) Like parachuting on off. Impact, yeah. yeah, either died on impact because he wasn't like an experienced parachuter either. And that the oh parachute my. he took like malfunctioned. So they were like, he could have either like died parachuting off or he made it, went to like a little island or wherever he was at and like is hiding like somewhere. Created um, his own life. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so he handed the note. So this is how he he hijacked the plane. So he handed the note to a flight attendant which he claimed to have like a bomb in his briefcase. So he was like, if you don't um, give me like this much money, I'm going to like bomb this plane. So when they landed, he released the passengers and the people gave him the money. Um, But he forced two pilots and one flight engineer and one flight attendant to remain on the plane. After it refueled, he ordered the pilots to fly to Mexico City. And per his instructions, the plane flew under 10,000 feet and at a speed no slower than 200 knots. 
at around 8 p.m. while between Seattle and Reno, Nevada, um, widely believed to be near Ariel, Washington. That's where Cooper lowered the rear steps and that's where he jumped in and disappeared. So he jumped and disappeared somewhere around like Washington <laughs> area. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, so the FBI like launched this huge like manhunt um, for him and it was like supposedly one of the biggest and most like exhaustive investigations in history. Um, what a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so initially the agency believed that, um, Cooper knew both planes and he knew the area that he, um, he parachuted Landed. out at. Um, and it was speculated that he possibly served in the military, possibly as a paratrooper. But later, however, it was decided that he was not an experienced skydiver because the jump was way too dangerous. And he failed to notice that his reserve parachute was sewn shut for use in training. So the parachute that he took oh. was a training parachute. <laughs> God, like Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> he jumped off. And then um, the agency reported that it looked at 800 suspects in the first five years of this um, investigation, but almost all of them were eliminated. So they were they eliminated them because there was actually DNA that was recovered. So he had like a tie that he had on and he took that off and threw it before he like jumped why? I don't know. But he did. For the dramatic effect. Yeah. So they had one prime suspect, which was um, Richard Floyd McCoy. And they actually did arrest him um, because he actually did a similar crime several months after this took place. So they kind of like tried to connect the dots. Um, but he didn't match the description that the two flight attendants gave to the police. So he didn't look anything like this guy that they said. And what I think. Well, it's not funny, but while serving his sentence, uh, Mr. McCoy, he had a fake gun and he escaped prison, but he was gunned down by law enforcement after huh. that. <laughs> <laughs> all, these, all these crazies. Yeah. I have no words. <laughs> so they said that Cooper was dressed in a nice business suit and he had a trench coat and loafers. So they're saying there's no way that he could have survived that jump and and make it. Um Oh so after God. years and years, they basically um, they were like, I don't know, like what's going on. And they were basically going to close it in 1980. A little boy um, found a decaying package and it contained five thousand eight hundred dollars. And it was buried along the Columbia River, which is north of Portland, um, which is like 20 miles from Ariel, Washington, where they said that he jumped mm -hmm. and the serial numbers on the money all of which all the bills were in $20, $20 bills matched those of the ransom they gave to DB Cooper when, Ooh. yeah. Um, so he didn't get to spend it. <laughs> mm -mm. However, they did do a very extensive search, but nothing came up. And um, the FBI continued to receive tips even in 2016. Damn. Um, but the same year, 2016, they officially closed the investigation stating um, that its resources could be best used on other cases. So they basically <laughs> closed it. They're all said, yeah. <laughs> we said the same thing. <laughs> so they basically were like, we don't know. Case closed. Bitch, that was like 30 years ago. Oh Get God. over it. He's probably, if anything, he probably like fell down to like a one of those areas where there's animals and got eaten. Maybe. Maybe a shark ate him. I don't know. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah, so 
That was an alien. Why can I? That was stupidity. Why can't I find a packet with five thousand dollars in right? it? Right, man. They probably confiscated it though. Yeah. Probably kept it. It's well, evidence, evidence is locked up in evidence somewhere, not being spent. I think like, come, but if it was like my two hundred thousand dollars and the package was only five thousand, my thing is like, what if you only took a little bit or spent a little bit and then died, or some of it flew out when he parachuted. <laughs> he didn't parachute. He was oh falling hard. <laughs> literally. He was free falling. It was girl. probably like, it probably didn't you work. Guys, and then like, oh sh- like the safety one and then didn't realize that it was a training one. And then, oh shit. Like, oh my God. I can't. This dumb idiot. Yeah. And he was wearing loafers. What is he? Like Inspector yeah. Gadget? <laughs> he thinks he's going <laughs> to a business to survive. And loafers. <laughs> Inspector Gadget over yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Oh but no one God. can find him to this day. They don't know what happened to him. They don't know like if he's dead, what if, if he's alive, dad? if he's or what like, happened, or what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord. So there's those. Oh my God! I can't. That last one got me. <laughs> <laughs> threw a I'll, little like, fun did you in see there. My face. I was all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had this like, are you serious? Face the whole time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You fist. I forgot how to close out. <laughs> it's been so long. Moral of the story, don't fly airplanes. Don't fly airplanes. Don't, don't go on cruises. Hostage. And don't go hiking in the jungle. That's yes. the lesson we learned today. Be smart, what guys. What we learn, kids? Just stay home. <laughs> stay stay <quarantine>. home. <laughs> stay, stay quarantined. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Stay in your bubble. Yep. The world's a dangerous place. It is. But if you do go to those places, be cautious of your surroundings. Don't trust people. Don't get in their cars. Don't say, yeah, I want to see your puppy. No. Yeah. Say don't, no. Don't go to the stranger, clubs at 530. danger and run away. Even if you're in the jungle, alien, throw a rock. And punch him in the nuts. Throw a snake. <laughs> I would throw a snake. I'd you, be don't like, even, you wouldn't even touch one. In that moment, I would. <laughs> oh, Lord. I would. There's a bear. I'd be like, here. I'd throw snacks and stuff at that person. Get that person. Right I thought there. you were going to say, i throw the bear. I know. <laughs> like, Down, girl. That's what you're, I thought she was going tur- to I turn into Thor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let us know what y'all think about our stories. This was a long one, you guys. Yeah, we were ready. Our first time back in the (laughs) studio. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, If you have any stories you'd like to share, any suggestions, send us, send it to our email, scarynotscarypodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website at scarynotscarypodcast.com. Um, follow us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and in our personal Snapchats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look on our Patreon. It hasn't been updated, but I mean, you could go look at it. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Kids be cute. Because um, that's hot. That's hot. <laughs> that's hot. Um, but yeah, guys. And then uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. And I believe that's it, right? I yeah. think so. I think you got it. Yeah. And it feels good to be back. Yes. Yeah, we're back. And until next time, remember to always stay.